Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hi, this is Mary Lee Gannon, Executive Coach of the Still Space Podcast, Episode Number 12, Five Mindful Lessons Your Dog Would Tell You About Leadership If They Could. We're going to have some fun with this today. Lesson Number 1, Don't Take Life Too Seriously. Really, your dog would say, you're too tense. You carry that black object around all the time, talking into it when you could be playing with me. And if you're not talking into it, you're poking at it, or a bigger version of it, like it's somehow going to spit out a treat, as do those machines you put jingly things into near the park that give you food that you don't share with me. Unless, of course, I play my... Look at me being my poor, undernourished, and deprived self who doesn't have any friends, never has any fun, and who you don't spend enough time with routine. By the way, guilt works really well on you. Just so you know, your mother plays that card way better than I do. I mean, that thing you carry around all the time is boring, really boring. And you don't even look like you're having any fun at it, so what's the point? I keep thinking there will be a payoff, like when you deliberately hide those treats inside one of my toys and I have to spasm lick forever, whereby my tongue ends up in a seizure just to get the taste. But really, what is the reward? That black object doesn't even smell good. Number two, set Mindful Daily Routines Here's what I see your routines are. A loud noise comes from an instrument that jolts you to wake up in the morning reminding me of how you accidentally step on me when carrying laundry over me in the doorway. You smack that object to make it stop real peaceful. You lie back down in bed playing with that black object again. Tap, 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 tap. You don't even see me next to you, sitting on the floor by your bed, doing my best impression of Lassie. I mean, it's not even light out, and the glow of that thing on your face, well, if you saw it from my perspective, you'd hide that UFO in the laundry basket and never look at it again. Trust me, you do not want to be looking at that thing in the dark. Then I have to bark and start doing dog gymnastics toward the door just to get you to take me outside. 
Now, why not adopt some of my routines? Go to bed in an hour where you can awaken naturally the next morning before any funny noise shocks you to attention. Haven't you noticed me sleeping on the floor all evening while you're watching that silly large talking box that occasionally shows hungry dogs eating food like they haven't been fed in a year? Then after a healthy night's sleep, the first thing you should do is go right outside for a big breath of fresh air before you have to start running the world. Have you ever watched yourself in the morning? I mean, that intensity at which you do things? One hand buttering toast, the other putting on the sleeve of a jacket, all while talking to the black object again. I just want to open the back door and let you out myself. And in case you haven't noticed, you do not run the world. I do. Number three, take naps. How do you think dogs get the energy to always be happy to see you? Do you actually think that you were born under a star that sprinkled you with always wonderful and special forever fairy dust? Let me break it to you, not a chance. We dogs are really good at self-care. If we're tired, we sleep. If we're not tired, we sleep. If we have nothing to do, we sleep. And then we sleep again. Why? Because it's instinctively healthy and it gives us energy to put up with how you make fools of us with bows in our hair, stupid straps around our necks, with metal things that clink when we scratch our ears, and tricks that you make us do for treats just for your entertainment. And by the way, those treats aren't really even that good. But we do the tricks anyway, because we want you to think you're in control, so you don't pay too close attention to what we do the rest of the time. You still think a guest ate all the Gruyere at the party you hosted last week, don't you? Here's what I see you do when you're tired. I see you start to yawn. We're familiar with that sign. I hear you raise your voice to whoever you talk to. I see you drop things. I see you sit down as if almost ready to relax and your eyes start to close, but you jostle your head to keep them open, looking even more scary than that black object neon morning face. And I see you neglect me, the face of Lassie, sitting right here perfectly obedient by your side, like the invisible dog who could have chewed your new shoes but didn't, who could have bitten your neighbor, who throws weeds on your side of the fence but didn't, that's okay, I pee in her yard, who could get into a fight with that obnoxious bloodhound but doesn't and lets you look like the human who runs the world and the dog park, because with all of your shortcomings, I still think you're the most amazing human in the entire world. And if you got more sleep, you'd see it too. Number four, look others in the eye. You know, we go on walks and I see you greet people as we go by 
but not look at them. I always look at you to see how you look at the people we encounter, because that's how I know if I need to protect you. If you look worried, my guard is up. But you don't even look at people you greet sometimes. It's weird. It confuses me, and I'm not sure what you're thinking. I always look you in the eye. You always look me in the eye. That's our own doggy human speak. I feel special because of those looks. I feel you really care about me, and that makes my whole day. I want to be the best dog possible for you. Number five, ride around town with the window down and the wind in your hair. When is the last time you felt joy? Does that black object bring you joy? I don't see it. Does the silly large talking box bring you joy? I highly doubt it if it starves dogs. Does that place you go all day bring you joy? Me thinks not because you spend more time there than you do with me, yet you come home and open the same bottle of whatever that is that makes you start yawning. You know, dogs have a simple joy philosophy. We live only for the moment. We seek the joy in every moment. If danger shows up, we protect ourselves and those we care about, adjust and get away from it, and position ourselves to be ready to deal with it if it surfaces again. Sometimes we show dominance when we feel threatened or sense that you are in danger. That makes us feel safe and a good protector of you. But we don't have sophisticated brains like you do. We don't know what else to do but dominate when we're uncomfortable. Survival is our only instinct when an apparent threat arises. It seems like some of those times when I think there's a threat, there might not really be a threat, and I can tell that by the way you tell me things like, stop barking, or leave it. I'm getting better at listening to your cues about what not to worry about. I really wish for you that you'd get better at listening to your cues on what's not worth your worry. I don't like seeing you sad and upset. I wonder if you were more aware of those cues, if you'd not be so tired or tense, not expecting threats because you're too busy licking faces, getting exercise, finding snippets of sun to nap in on the floor, playing with other beings you enjoy, and riding around with the wind in your hair next to me. If you have a dog, and I've had dogs my whole life, I have my dog Bailey right here next to me as I'm recording this. You probably hear her toenails walking around on the hardwood floor as I'm recording this. That's my Bailey. We look at each other right in the eye, and we have our own what I call doggy mommy speak. And it reminds me that when we look at people in the eye, when we care about them, they know it. And I look at the simplicity of her life. Now, no, she's not leading a $31 million organization by day like I am. But she has her own grace, and there's a lot to be learned from that. And dogs have their own hierarchy, too. They know how to run in a pack. They know how to find the leader. They know how to follow the leader. They know how to tell who is the leader. 
And that's what we want for you. We want you to be able to maintain your role in your pack that you want to have, not have it be dictated to you, but your role as you want it on your terms. And now we're getting to the point of the podcast where I do ask the coach, and I think that this question dovetails really well with what we're talking about today. First, I have something really special that I can't wait to share with you. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to MaryLeeGannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. On this episode of Ask the Coach, Ronnie from New York City gave me a question that I think can be felt by a lot of people. Why am I being ignored in my group while holding an important position in my organization? And Ronnie, first allow me to validate that that's a really difficult position to be in. I can sense that you're disappointed, that you're feeling that you're not showing up adequately, that you're not effective, that you're not being respected, and that's not fair. But let's just acknowledge the feelings behind that and honor the feeling behind that. Because when we can face that, we can get down at the root of the fear and we can release it because we own it. When we ignore it, when we run from it, it chases us down. So it's okay to admit that this really stinks, that you're working hard, you're probably really well educated, and you don't feel that you're respected, honored, that you're revered, that you're adequate, and you're probably showing up small as a result because you don't want to take too many risks because if you risk big, you could fail big. 
So you'll play small, risk small. So if there is a failure, you'll fail small. And that's exactly building the self-fulfilling prophecy of I'm not good enough because now you're showing up not good enough and people are seeing you as not good enough and the cycle continues on this treadmill to nowhere. Okay, so how do we unravel that? I would suspect that you want greater executive presence. And I would also suspect that you're making assumptions that you don't have it. Maybe you're not showing it right now, but that doesn't mean that you don't have it and that you can't develop it because there's a certainty there that is missing in your leadership. Your certainty in yourself. Now that is not akin to being arrogant. We can be certain that we don't know something and I'll get you the answer in two days after I have the information I need and the resources I need to make a good decision. So we don't have to be right all the time. It's not about being right. It's about getting it right. It's about stepping back into a space where you know your signature strengths. My clients and I work on this very closely. We can't have a value proposition if we don't know what our signature strengths are and we don't know the value that we're bringing to an organization. So understanding where you and only you can bring the value that only you can bring to the organization, to the project, to the system in which you're working. And that takes time because we have to stand our negative assumptions, those limiting beliefs, up against the truth. So while you've been dogged by this head trash that has been reminding you of how you're not good enough because these people aren't looking at me. And here's what happens when we don't think we're good enough. We start talking, people aren't listening, and then we start talking faster and we notice they're not listening and now I'm in a panic and nobody wants to look at me. That's what happens. We're showing up with the voice in our head telling us you're not good enough. And then we start playing to it. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. We must honor the emotion that's in the way, the disappointment, the hurt, the letdown, the inadequacy that we're feeling. That's an assumption, it's, but it's an emotion. We're going to honor it. Honor that, but we can't replace the emotion. And this is where people get stuck. They get frustrated with, why can't I just feel something differently? We can't start with the emotion. We're going to go back to the thought. We work on this very closely uh, with my clients because... They want to just feel something differently, and it doesn't work that way. We have to go back and examine the lens through which we are looking at ourselves. So that lens that's been focused on where you're not good enough, let's refocus it or pick up a different pair of glasses or this time a telescope or maybe binoculars and look through it a different way. Let's think about what you are really good at, wicked smart at. And let's think about where that showed up in measurable ways in your leadership. What have you accomplished because of that signature strength? And now let's think about what do you really want? How do you want to show up? What does that look like? What does it sound like? Who's around you supporting you? And we start going through a whole different phase of thought 
And once you can shift that thought, then slide into the emotion that corresponds with it. Well, now I'm feeling a little more energized. Yeah, I remember when I was good at this and XYZ happened. I remember the people I was working with and they really enjoyed me. They followed me. They liked what I was doing when I was in this space. I'm going to stay with that emotion. I'm going to stay with that thought. And then what follows is behavior, actions. The actions that follow a good, clear lens on a good, clear outcome and the emotion attached to it will lead to behaviors and actions that actually bring you joy, efficacy, adequacy, thrivingness. This is possible. All starts with honoring the negative emotion, naming it, really important, just to tell somebody. And if you don't have somebody to tell, say it out loud to yourself, write it down, honoring that named emotion, I feel blank because of this, just gets it out, gets it out of being stuck, trapped down inside of you. And sometimes you might not even know what that emotion is right away. Get curious about it. Very curious about what's going on inside of me. My clients and I work on mastery of a very helpful technique called the pause cafe. And the pause cafe is where you take a very deep pause and you ask yourself, what is going on with me? What needs to be heard here that I'm not honoring? What inside me is holding me back? And getting more and more and more curious about that are the first two steps of the Pause Cafe help you to identify and getting into the habit of being curious about that and going to that emotion right away and naming it gets you into the habit of being able to release the smoke and mirrors that dance in front of your face when you're looking for clarity. Think of your dog. Think of any dog that you've seen. They're pretty carefree. They get very close, very quickly to what do I need to be afraid of here? Is it real? Is it not? You know, that's what they do in the military. Where am I? Who's my friend? Who's the enemy? They get to that point really quickly because that's how they stay alive. Dogs do the same thing. Where am I? Who's my friend? Who's the enemy? Well, you're doing a version of that as you start the couple steps of the pause cafe, where you take a deep breath, take a pause. That's the still space. That's why we call this the still space podcast. Finding that still space, not getting back on the treadmill to nowhere, not working harder, ignoring these emotional warning systems that your mind is giving you that help you unravel the assumptions that are leading your behavior. So Ronnie, That executive presence that you're seeking is inside you. Once we can get out of the way, all of the head trash that you've been dragging around like a ball and chain that isn't truly you and reflect more personally on where your strengths are and then develop a value proposition. Why you? Why now? Why where you are? Because you are in a unique place that only you can bring a unique value to right now. 
The world is calling for your brilliance, your mastery right now. No reason to hold back. Just get that sandstorm of smoke and mirrors out of the way so that you can show up with your mastery, with your executive presence, with excellence. I'm glad you were with me today, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.